Hello, listener, and welcome back to I'm Glad You Exist. I'm your host, John Leo. Today's guest comes to us after an innocuous chat I had with my girlfriend's dad about how weird and wonderful their border collies are, which led on to, wouldn't being an animal psychologist be a fascinating job? Well, as my civic duty to you all, I threw out a net and found myself one such professional to learn about this fabulously niche and fascinating career. Her name is Rosie Barkley. She's affiliated with the FABC, APBC, CCAB, and the APTC, which you're all very familiar with. But of course, those acronyms mean nothing to those not affiliated, but such is a point of conversation in this podcast, why, in an unregulated industry, it's even more important to be connected with regulatory bodies that make sure you, the consumer, are protected by professionals who truly care for you and your animal's well-being. So settle in, spin three times in a circle, and find a comfortable patch on the floor, and enjoy finding out why I'm glad Rosie Barkley exists. So let's start with, um, so you're saying like taking this week off to focus on some other stuff, so has it been a busy, busy year for you thus far? Um, well, it started off quite quiet, obviously, because mm-hmm. of covid and, and lockdowns but previous to that i was starting to do zooms mm. and i thought to myself originally this is not going to work no one's going to want to sit and stare at me on a, on a screen for hours but i'm pleasantly surprised it's working mm. incredibly well especially for cats really yes because if i go into a house with some cats and are a bit nervous they tend ah. to spend the first couple of hours under the bed mm. <laughs> and at least on zoom they just carry on acting completely normally very true. So I get to see their sort of true behaviour. I'd have to wait for about an hour for them to creep out from under the bed. Just their owners chase them around <laughs> with a, a laptop so you can see. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, cats, if you start to take the, your attention away from them mm-hmm. and start to talk at some strange you know, object, mm-hmm. they will come and have a nose because they're incredibly nosy. Okay. So I'm. there's so many talking points that I want to get into <laughs> with this, but just jumping off from that, so like, so you you've got, qualifications behind you for for the work you've done but I wonder like how how much have you learned since being qualified just through being with animals oh god well I think it started when I was probably a very young baby mm-hmm. and I used to wake my mum and dad up at very early hours in the morning with shrieks of reek a book reek a book <laughs> and my mum used to say what book and I'd go animals animals <laughs> all I'd ever read the same book on animals and uh, I remember going to see Dr. Doolittle with my granny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I must have liked it very much because when I came home, I burst into tears. And my mum was like, what the hell have you done to her? <laughs> what, what's going on? And my, my granny was like, I don't know, I don't know. And mum's like, what's the matter? I went, nothing, I really loved it. Aww. I want to talk to the animals. <laughs> and from then on, <laughs> so yeah. really, that's been my... Um, so, you know, my, my, a change in career. Well, a change in career, my you know, direction, Just, career, yeah. career direction. And that's all, all I've ever really done since, mm. um, since well, since then. Mm. I've, I've have had animals. I looked after animals when I was little. I'd ride other people's horses. Um, when I left school, went to work in a riding stables. Mm-hmm. Um, learned a lot then. Learned a lot that you don't send 15... Children, small, small people on small fat ponies mm. into a field of fog. Though mm. so I was very good, I just say you can trot up there and canter, but when you turn around, you've got to walk back. Mm-hmm. So off they went. 
when it was very silent. <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard the sort of gallop of hoofs. Oh, <laughs> so they all came flying towards me. Because some of the kids loving it, absolutely. Mm. I thought, I'm having a great old time. Some were ha- hanging on for dear life. Some weren't hanging on at all. Mm. <laughs> but this was a sort of like 1980s, so it didn't really matter if they all fell off. <laughs> no health and safety. <laughs> no health and safety. Thing yet. <laughs> and, you know, it's per- they're perfectly happy with it. I was mm-hmm. okay, but we wouldn't do it now. But yeah, you learn, you learn a few things. Um, but it was very cold and I wasn't earning a lot of money. So then I went and um, got myself a job as a veterinary nurse mm-hmm. and did that for about six years. But sort of, I thought, well, I, can't, I want to do more. <laughs> I really want to do more. So I took two years off, went back to college. Yeah. Uh, sort of like a sixth form type of college where I was a 22-year-old hanging around with sort of 18-year-olds. And I, mm-hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't much fun because they were... <laughs> immature but anyway it was, it was okay I managed to get myself some some A-levels and some more GCSEs but they were O-levels at the time um, and I decided I think I'll, I'll go to university mm-hmm. um, my levels are in biology and drama and English literature so I thought you know, I had this idea I might go and be an actress as mm. you do but I couldn't get into any of the, the uh, colleges <laughs> about acting um, so I thought oh, I'll go and do zoology it's my other favourite thing I'll do some acting on the side but mm-hmm. that, that uh, didn't work when I got there it's far too busy doing this course um, so I did zoology but majored a lot in animal behaviour we had mm. the best lecturers um, so I did that I loved it and then went on afterwards to do well I had a choice of doing a PhD or a master's mm-hmm. um, through uh, my own research and I was getting, I'd get paid for that because I was a research assistant mm. working on rats. <laughs> what makes a happy rat, basically? In you know, the <laughs> laboratory rats in cages. Mm. Um, so I spent like years just standing, <laughs> sitting, watching them. Um, what they were doing to write down every second what they were doing and who was beating up who and all. Uh, it was a massive home office um, paper. Mm. So I did that and I did my own little research on the side. So I was absolutely exhausted but I mean, I've been through like the college and I've been through university I've had no money so I hadn't really eaten anything for probably about six years and this was nice because I was getting paid mm. but I wanted to buy, buy a house yeah and I had to find two thousand pounds for my deposit <laughs> which took me about two years yeah. <laughs> it's a long time for me. every mm. penny I had and no money um, but I did I, I managed to get this little house and I worked as um in research for about four 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 five years probably and then um, what for as a as editorial assistant for one of the big international uh, animal behaviour research journals? Mm. Um, then I met 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 my future husband, mm. and we thought, well, you know, I've never been never travelled. That's the only thing I haven't really done. So I'd like to travel. So he said, well, well, I'm going to work abroad. Should we go together? So we did, <laughs> mm-hmm. and went to Singapore. Mm. That's fun, and Amman and Saudi Arabia. Wow. Not so much, yeah, because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to do anything basically. Yeah. But it gave me time to write up. I even had a driver. Oh wow! You know, and I weren't allowed to drive. Weren't allowed to work. Just sort of sat and went shopping once mm. a week and watched television. And that's you know, there's only so that's much it. you can yeah, watch. You know? Yeah, I bet. Um, so that that was that was it was good though because you did do a lot of, sort of swimming and mm. it, was, it was nice. Except you're not really allowed to swim in in Saudi unless you're in a compound. <laughs> Or you're full, you're dressed from mm. head to toe. And we were on the golf side, so it wasn't particularly pretty. It was a lot of bleached coral, mm. a lot of oil spillages, so it was completely dead, I think. Mm. The other side, Red Sea side, that's a different <laughs> kettle of fish. But it was nice because we went into the sort of centre of Saudi Arabia, mm. the deserts, and that is incredible. Mm. And we went to the um, 
United Arab Emirates as well and looked at, did some desert stuff there. That mm. was amazing. But Singapore was brilliant because I actually did animal stuff there. Mm. They've got a little bit of jungle left in the middle, which is not quite dried up yet. <laughs> I used to go and have sleepovers there and see what was there. That was good fun. But I was writing up this thesis on rats. <laughs> you get a little group of rats and one's a bit of a bully and it's been quite aggressive to this. What do we do? Do we take the little one that's getting bullied out? Do we take the one that's doing the bullying? So mm. that sort of thing. So you take the one out that's doing the bullying. <laughs> Then what you do with it? Yeah. I don't know. Laboratory rats. But it was all about enrichment and, and you know, what how they cope with cages and how they were better off in, in larger enclosures and mm. things like that. Um so what did I do with that? Wrote it up. <laughs> Got one paper out of it which was really good. But um uh yeah, when we came back from being a was it, husband was working overseas, we weren't sort of travelling in van mm. or anything. <laughs> So we got to know the local areas really well, which was really good. Um, I thought, I've got to do something. I didn't know what to do. So we were, I was watching a, a um, Pet Rescue at the time, Channel 4, and they had somebody on there going on about this behaviour and that behaviour, and I'm like, I got all a bit uppity about it. I'm like, oh, I would have done it like that. So my husband said, well, why don't you go and do it then? <laughs> like, okay, and not knowing anything about anything, because in those days there just wasn't yeah. the network there is now of you know, qualified animal behaviourists. There was probably one course on it in Southampton, which was brilliant. But I'd done all my masters. I really did not want to go down and do mm. another one. Um, so I read some books and had a look around and started to um, practice, because... The industry that I'm in is not regulated. Mm. So anybody, <laughs> everybody, can be an animal behaviourist and advertisist. You know, it's perfectly legal. Mm. Um, so I just, I started a long, long time ago. There wasn't very many people about doing it. But I come across an association called the Association of Pet Behavioural Counsellors, the APBC. And they were looking for members. So I thought, oh, God, I'll give it a go. So I gave it a go, <laughs> sort of, because you have to fill in lots of forms and, and there was some case history stuff you had to do. Mm. So I, I sent it. They sent it back very quickly, going, well, you, you know, you're academically you're exactly what we want, mm. but really you need a lot of work and a lot of stuff you've got to look into. So come along, you know, and we'll start you off as a provisional member mm-hmm. and we'll teach you and, you know, you mentor and all the sort of things. So I like, jumped at the idea, so we did that. And then took a few more years to really get into it. And I suddenly realised then what a little I actually did know about, wow. you know, about the companion animal behaviour. Um, because I'd, you know, been a vet nurse, so I knew lots of, mm. sort of practical stuff. But there was so much that I realised I didn't know. And the more you know, the more you realise you know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so much more. Um, so um, I managed to get myself as a full member of the APBC. Um, and then the Study for Animal Behaviour, ASAB, whose journal I used to work for, <laughs> um, realised that because there really, you know, there was no um, regulation and there's a lot of damage was being done by certain organisations and people that were using very aversive punishment techniques, mm. that there needed to be some sort of standard or regulation or accreditation animal behavior so i went and got that as well oh, okay is that like the the rise of like shock collars and things like that yeah mm. <laughs> um and a lot of other stuff mm. um it's a funny old world out there the, the dog training and behavioral industry mm. it's very well it's, it's not a very nice place to be sometimes because yeah, there is a lot of split between you know what training is best for your dog and you know um and uh, a lot of arguments mm. but so when the 
this and this association of animal behavior accreditation came along a lot of us jumped on it you know and again you have to do a load more case studies another couple of years worth of work um to get lots of case histories write it all up reference it all you have to um reference every quote <laughs> you know it, it's, it's quite a serious um mm. path to take um but of course even with when you've got your which sort of certificate certificated companion animal behavior <laughs> qualification which is recognized by the royal college of veterinary surgeons um it still doesn't really mean anything to mm. anybody you know you can have all these letters after your name but for the general dog owner it doesn't mean a thing mm. you know they don't get their um they, do, they don't get their um information and their advice necessarily from their vet or from a, a behaviorist or even a trainer mm. They tend to go onto Google <laughs> or ask the person on the beach or go onto the dog forums. And if you go on to the internet and look at, say, particular behaviour, you will be able to find an absolute mm. you know, ton of stuff. But when you start reading it, you'll get completely confused mm. <laughs> because the one thing says you know, one thing says one thing and mm. another thing says another thing. It's very contradictory. And you get very frustrated. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? It's difficult to sort of sort the wheat from the chaff, basically. Mm. Um, and then, so really, what 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 is anybody that's got a dog that's got a problem, or a cat that's mm. got a problem, or a rabbit, or a horse, where are they to go you know, to find this out? Well, the best place probably is your vet, because now they're very aware of who are and who aren't, mm. you know, what qualifications and standards are nowadays. Um, I get taught it a lot more at the on the courses and you know vet courses and stuff. So they're aware. So the best thing to do is go to your vet and say because. If you've got a sudden behavioural change in an animal, it might not necessarily be anything behavioural. It might quite as easily be, you know, it's a medical issue. Mm. We don't, you know, it, it, there's a lot of behaviour changes, especially for sudden, that are down to medical issues. They've got to go and rule those out first. Mm. Then they'll go and refer you on. But the majority of people don't go down that route, mm. <laughs> which is, is a shame. Um, they go down the internet mm. route and Dr Google. Um, yeah, and all the issues that that can bring. yeah. It's interesting that you say it was, um, uh, I can't remember what you said the show was, Pet Rescue. Pet Rescue, Pet yeah. Rescue yeah. <laughs> so, you know, seeing that and hearing people talk about like the behaviours and everything and feeling like, you know, even just the study that you've done and your awareness of animals being like, actually, I have, I have different thoughts about that. And you've mm. got education behind you, but I feel like how many people will go, well, I grew up with a dog, so I know I know dog behaviour. Yeah, I've, I've been training dogs for twenty years, yeah. exactly the same way every day, day in day out. Um, yeah, talking about pet rescue, I was actually on it for a bit. Okay, well. wow! Quite, it's quite funny. <laughs> I was sitting there one day looking at it, going, "We'll do it like that." And next minute, I'm on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it came to Bortree, and they had their um, their setup. It was, yeah, it yeah. was base their base basically based mm. at, at Bortree uh, RSPCA Centre, and I used to go up there anyway and do some work. Usually for free if it was RSPCA. So mm. I've done my charity stuff, um, and uh, yeah, they were there. they were started filming there, and I sort of went, oh hello, who are you? And they mm. went, oh, your behaviour is so brilliant. Can we do? Can we film you? And then I spent the next probably year doing lots of different bits and bobs. Um, which I can't remember the presenter's names. Davina McCall's husband, mm. <laughs> he was on it. Okay, and somebody and. A, is it um, Anthea Turner's sister? Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long time ago. Mm. You have to be a certain age to remember it, probably. But it was on, it's one of these things that was on um, in the afternoon telly mm. slot every day. 
lot, yeah, there's lots of them still on very similar programs. Um, yeah, we won't go into too many. Pro- there's a lot of good programs now, hmm. and there's some not so good. I'm not going to name names. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's jump back a bit then, because I'm yep. I. So my career is I work with people finding their careers essentially I work with apprentices and I work with school leavers trying to figure out where they want to go in life and it's really common for 18 year olds to have no idea what they want to do but that's why I find it so interesting to talk to people who so early on are like this is what my calling is maybe not specifically this job but for you like saying working with animals so you see Dr. Doolittle that has that profound effect on you what was what was it like for you growing up around animals? Like after that, did that change anything for you? Like how did you, how were you and animals growing up? I was just always besotted with them and had an empathy for them probably mm. more than people. Um, and I had my own, I had loads, I had a garage full of things, but I was really aware at a young age that a rabbit shouldn't really be in a hutch mm. in all the time. So my mum's garden was covered in runs <laughs> and she had no grass left. You know, mm. and I was always out with trying to collect dandelions. And I just <laughs> knew that they were, they'd look bored. Mm. And I think you, if you think an animal is looking bored or sad or, or, or happy, mm-hmm. you know, go with it. It probably mm. is. <laughs> you know, we do we share a lot of similar neurochemistry. We, we share mus- you know, muscles mm. and the physiology. So if they're looking a bit frowny... Mm showing their teeth <laughs> listen to them and people don't listen to them I think as a young girl I, I listened and I watched and I didn't want to do certain things because in those days there's a lot of punishment it was definitely you know I'm the master I mm. will force my will on you and I'll make you sit down or I'll make you go mm. past that I mean, if I'm on a horse go go past that scary bin um, by hitting you mm. <laughs> and then sort of stabbing you in the side with my spurs um, and shooing you, if I was a cat, shooing you off, off, off the, the high table. Mm. Whereas that poor old cat, it's probably got up onto a high table because something scared it and it feels safer higher up and we yeah. come in shattered it and put it back down again. Mm. <laughs> you know, poor old thing. I sort, of, I sort of knew, but it took me a long time because when I started, there really wasn't, much of what I did you know, now, I mean, everybody is a behaviourist. Everyone's a dog mm. trainer. Everyone, I mean, there's lots of dog walkers now, you know, and the doggy daycare stuff. So mm. there's a, it's, there's a lot of, I suppose, awareness, and there's a lot of good information, but there's also a lot of misinformation as well, and mm. just trying to tease that apart. But I think if you love your dog. Because people that love their dogs, and they really love them, they might still use quite aversive punishing techniques because they think that's how they're supposed to do it. Mm. Um, it's not that, you know, they're not being horrible or cruel. <laughs> they just that's don't realise, yeah. you know, because years ago, it wasn't that long ago, where you did do all of that. You used to hit your children. Well, it's, not allowed to. I was going to say, it's interesting <laughs> you bring that because I was just thinking about the parallels between mm. parenting and how empathy with a child and speaking to them is where we're at now as opposed to physical punishment Mm. and we've kind of done the same with dogs but it's an interesting counterpoint to that is almost i wonder what you think of the idea of people humanizing their pets too much like obviously having an empathy is is almost like a humanistic trait Mm. but people who who act like their dog 
is a child. Like, I know people use the term fur baby. I personally oh, yes, hate it, but that's, I don't want to get anyone annoyed by that. But there are people I just think it is a dog, you know, and that doesn't mean that you're not loving it any less, but it's just don't treat it like a child because it isn't a child, you know. No, it's a dog. So, you know. <laughs> but I wouldn't do things to my dog that I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't do to my child. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a good thing to sort of think of. Would you do this sort of training mm. with it? Well, would you do it with your children? Would you put a shock collar or a prong collar? Exactly, or would yeah. you, you know, you used to say no a lot to children and mm. smack them, but you don't do that now. Um, and we don't need to do any of those things if we are aware of that there are training, you know, different ways of training that you can um, use that's kind, a lot mm. kinder. But it's not always about training. A lot of the stuff I do is about emotion. We're not looking at a dog that's badly behaved and needs training. The dogs I look at have got emotional states. They're they're sad. Mm. They're happy. (laughs) They're angry. They're a bit jealous. They're panicking. Mm. They're really distressed. And they're feeling that. It's an emotional state. Mm. They are sentient beings. Most animals are. (laughs) they, They have feelings like we do. So we have to understand that and try and work out why they're feeling like that. And then what can we do to change that emotional mm. state from a negative one into a positive one? If we change that, we change the behaviour. Very true. Because you've got to remember, a lot of the behaviours aren't actually um, abnormal things. They're just normal what dogs do. Dogs mm. do bite. They do wing on the floor. Mm. <laughs> it's not abnormal. Mm-hmm. There are abnormal dog behaviours that I see. Um, so they're doing a lot of tail spinning or biting, you know, biting the, the fur so that they're, mm. they're, you know, they're actually mutilating themselves. Um, but barking at the postman, perfectly normal behaviour is what dogs do. But we don't like that. We don't like dogs biting people. But that's quite normal dog behaviour if they're pushed enough mm. and, you know, into that situation when they do have to bite. They feel the need to. Mm. We've got It's up to us to be responsible enough to go, I don't want to put my animal in that place. Same with cats. Mm. Cats are very good at telling you if they're a bit cross. Mm. And we don't mind that so much unless we get scratched really badly. <laughs> but, but dogs biting, ah. <laughs> we do not like you know mm. any dog that even looks like it's going to bite and you and serious consequences obviously for that of course yeah the legal system <laughs> well so the reason the reason that you are here having this chat with me is i was having a conversation with my girlfriend's dad who's who's basically always had border collies mm. um, and they've got two now and they're just the oddest dynamics between them and hopefully i'll talk about them in a bit but he was saying the the border collie he had before both of those, he had to go to an animal psychologist about um, some of their behavior because she had bitten a child. The context of which is uh, this child had basically gone up to the dog and just wrapped her arms around it. Dog obviously gets panicky. But to me, it was interesting that I think a lot of people go, a dog has bitten someone, that's it. Like that is code red. That dog is, and I hate the term destroyed because that just sounds inhumane. But obviously, it is. is, Yeah. Um, So you know that happens. But I I think I think for a lot of people, if it happens, they're so scared of what might. It's almost like a hit and run kind of thing where they go, "I'm not going to tell anyone about this because I can't risk it." But what, from your perspective, I'm sure you've you've been around dogs who've who've bitten people and then they come to you. What is almost like the the level of if a, if a dog has bitten someone, why would that would one dog get put down? Why does another dog get a chance of seeing a therapist, essentially? <laughs> well, it depends on the context of the situation. Mm. Um, the serious cases, quite often, you know, often in the UK, the dog is taken and destroyed straight away, mm. and that's it. You never find out why. 
which is a shame because then you could help that would be good information to help stop it in the future but it isn't doesn't happen very often the dog is taken away and destroyed um but if you're lucky enough that the dog you know the dog's bitten if you're lucky enough to get a good um clinical animal behaviorist to come and talk to you about why mm. look at the risk <clears throat> to make sure it does not happen again <laughs> mm. um and then um, so there'd be ways of modifying its behavior so it doesn't happen again and risk management to put in so it absolutely <laughs> doesn't mm. happen again so you've got your muzzles you've got your on lead but you've also got to find out why what was it that bit you know why, why did that dog bite that child mm. and it depends there's so many different contexts but it's something normal if, if it feels threatened and it'll start at the bottom of what we call the ladder of aggression mm. where it might try it doesn't want to go to bite it wants to tell you and, and this is where you have to listen mm. <laughs> it wants to tell you i'm not happy so you might get a little bit of lip licking where its tongue comes out and licks his nose mm. or yawning or mouth battering. might look away ears will start to go back might even sort of move away or try and lift up a paw sometimes they roll over not like they want their tummies tickled mm. don't tickle their tummy oh, okay. <laughs> in that context they don't it's like oh please don't hurt me so but a lot of these oh, appeasing wow. uh, you know i i I want. I don't want this to escalate mm. unless they're challenging each other and they do want to escalate. Of course, yeah. But whether it's a sort of a fear-threatening type of um, situation, you'll sort of push this dog up in from the green areas to the orange areas, <laughs> to the red areas, um, and then you'll start to see the the the, the teeth perhaps mm. or the lips curling back. You might hear a very low grumble or a mm. growl, and then perhaps a snap. And then if that child or person keeps on coming, because that dog's been warning you from the time it tried to get away and look away and started to lick its lips because its mouth's gone all dry and it's trying to get its nose moist because that's where it's going to get all its information from, mm. <laughs> the environment. And um, that's what happens to us. So I'm talking here and I'm sitting here slurping water mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> because you know, my mouth's going dry. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, my goodness, what's he going to ask? It's going to be something I can't answer. Um, so it's normal that's a normal reaction that dog felt so threatened it, it didn't have any where else to go mm. couldn't run away and quite often if it's on a lead or in a corner <laughs> or it's in its bed it can't get away it can't mm. do what it wants to do it can resort to biting sometimes it could just be playing a bit roughly mm. yeah, it could be that the child or the person's actually hurt the dog could be something completely different like it could have had a shot collar on and just happened to be shocked one day while it was standing next to a child. The next time it sees yeah, a child, it associates it with a shock and bites it. Um, could be that it just wants it to go away. It's in its, you know, it's in its, it's been a bit territorial, or it's the child's picked up something that dog wants. There's so many different situations, mm. with the, and and we have to go in and find out. And if we do, and we get it right, and we go to court, and we are expert witnesses, you know, at least the judge and the magistrate and the jurats will understand a little bit more about the context and then offer you know the, the best situation or the best mm -hmm. punishment you know but the consequence of, of that happening if you are a dad with a child that's been bitten mm -hmm. first thing you're going to want to do is say i don't that dog's got to go you know it's a normal natural situation but mm -hmm. of course that dog is also a family a mm -hmm. very much cherished Absolutely, loved family yeah. pet so it's very emotional it's best not to try and put any children in that sort of yeah, situation. Of um, but it, it depends on how much education you've had or knowledge you've got, experience with, with animals. 
to see you know wh- why and if you understand why i think it helps more mm. doesn't mean you're going to fix it but you know you can understand to have more empathy if you know why that mm. dog is doing or the cat's doing something that you don't want it to do because when you when you talk it's almost like um armchair experts with dog behavior right all you need to do is be on the jersey dog forum for a few months and you'll pick up a lot of a lot of tips and tricks you know not necessarily all of them great um but one of them you know is if there's a video of a dog and it's and it's agitated or if it's just a dog doing anything like a child playing with it and the dog yawns once people will be like dog's yawning it's upset that's back away from the dog. Like, it's the most insane thing in the world that anyone's close to it. But it's because of that thing, right? People just go, I know, I've heard from someone else that dogs yawning or dogs, like, licking their jowls, are that's a bad sign. But, of course, it's not always a bad sign. And it, it's interesting you said that because I've never, ever considered why they do that as a as a signal, you know? So when you're saying that they lick their nose because that's where they get their information from... Because dry. You... Well, I can't because there actually isn't any science or any research based on that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't really looked at it. There's a lot of theories. Mm. Um, that they, but it's not an obvious signal. I don't think the dog will go up to somebody and purposely go, mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, its of nose. It's a consequence, I think, of, of, of the cortisol and adrenaline that's rushing through their body. So it's a sign that, you know, and when you, same, it happens with us. Our mouths go dry. Mm. Um, and there's lots of saliva coming in, lots of saliva going out. So there's lots of swallowing and, of course, yeah, yeah. and dry mouth and whatever but dogs rely not only on, on their nose to get um, a sense of their environment but also they've got a little organ on top of their mouth okay. and their teeth hmm. called the Jacobson's organ which okay. tastes scent right so if you ever see a dog that looks rabid it's right. foaming at the yeah. mouth it's probably an entire male dog that's just got the scent of a female in season okay wow <laughs> taste it <laughs> oh they've got this amazing um I, quite often i think people forget that dogs actually do talk to each other yeah <laughs> and it's not just up to us to control them uh, you know, it, and i love giving dogs and, and animals and cats control a little bit more control so they've got mm. a choice it makes them feel a lot happier i think um rather than you know just telling them what to do all the time mm. uh, i sometimes think they can be overtrained. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they expect too much from the, the dog mm. um and of course, we won't. Well, you could talk about the dominance issue, <laughs> whether a dog, you know, is being dominant and, and all this sort of thing. That's a that's probably well, we'd have to have a very long time to talk about that. Mm. But basically, you don't have to be a dominant despot. <laughs> you don't have to be the alpha male. You don't have to be the leader of the pack. Yeah. Just be dad. Yeah, because <laughs> I swear, wasn't it a few <laughs> a few years ago? The whole alpha of a pack thing got kind of disproved as being like this isn't actually how it oh, works yes, but it been, sounds been, great oh no it's, it's been disproved i could give you, you know, reams of, of um research papers mm. and stuff that, that that's uh, that shows that but no it, it's something i think that resonates with humans mm. we still got this we still send people to prison we still punish them so i think we think that we need to punish our animals or especially our dogs mm. cats get away with it more because they're not dogs <laughs> <laughs> um but yep. we need to tell them what's right. They must know what they've done. They must, you know, they, we know they've done wrong because they look very guilty. Mm. Yes, they do look guilty. They've got amazing appeasement gestures. It's brilliant, but they don't know how what they've done wrong. Mm. <laughs> they know that they, you're cross because they can read your body language, mm. and they know what to do to make you not cross. These little 
sorry for themselves. They're saying sorry, but they've got no idea why. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If they did, they wouldn't do it again, would they? But they do. Mm. <laughs> no, there's, um, again, lots of research on that as well. So just be dad. Don't, you don't have to make your, you, know, you don't have to make, to be this alpha leady mm. thing. And why is it still going on? It is. And, and a lot of trainers out there still do it. Mm. There are shock collar users here. <laughs> there are, yeah, I've seen the odd prong collar, which is those sort of, collars that have got prongs that when you pull yeah. it it sticks in their neck not very nice Jeez. you've got the, the rolled up newspaper you've got the yanking on the lead mm. the checking the it's all this subversive punishment training and of course it does work mm. i'm saying it doesn't work because the dog stops barking if you hurt it enough mm. <laughs> yeah it is going to stop barking but does it stop it wanting to bark again no mm. <laughs> and what might happen that for the welfare of that dog in the long term well you're going to have bad neck mm. it's going to ruin your relationship with it you know it's probably won't want to go out anymore because it doesn't like the lead going on mm-hmm. might start going every time i see a dog i get it hurts so then they get a you know, negative association with dogs start getting dog aggressive mm. lead aggressive i mean it, but owners still keep yanking because mm. they're told that's what you know puppy class or whatever um if they're they're not reward-based you know trainers in, in um who run the puppy classes. There's some brilliant ones over here. Mm. <laughs> they really, it's the super ones. Um, but, and the best thing to do is just, just check. Go along. You know, how they, how, is everyone happy? Mm. Is everyone having fun? <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a crucial point, right? Almost like if it doesn't feel right, maybe it isn't right. Is it for you? First of all, it's if you're not all training classes for you. Some are very structured mm. and you learn a lot in the super. That doesn't suit everybody. It suits mm. some people. And there are more relaxed ones and again that doesn't always suit everybody mm. and you've got your dog you know your puppy what sort of breed is it you know mm. what's it going to enjoy is it scared is it nervous um and of course during lockdown no puppy class mm. <laughs> so what we're we getting now unsocialized dogs and <laughs> <that buckle. laughs> other dogs and people um it's caused quite a lot of lot, lot of issues this lockdown well lockdown's an interesting one as well because i'm sure you saw it like just being constantly posted around that you know like oh the, the humans haven't enjoyed lockdown because you know we're stuck at home and all the dogs have been like this is amazing <laughs> but you know that's a lovely platitude but i'm sure like you can say that these interesting aspects of lockdown that people haven't considered and yeah like a lack of socialization is a difficult one isn't it yeah and of course the dogs are getting a bit worried now everyone's left mm. but there's been an increase um i think there's been an increase in well, it seems to be in the uk um dog bites to children because really? children have been at home. Mm. There's probably been a lot more interaction or they fell yeah. on them or whatever, you know. So there is a little bit of that. Um, so there's a little bit of increase in dog aggression to other dogs and people because they've not met any mm. people or other dogs. They've all kept away from each other. Plus, our body uh, language, when we walk past another person, <laughs> whether they've got a dog or not, you know, initially was like, oh, you're going to keep away from them. So it's a lot of like, oh, you know, sort of true, tense yeah. body language. And dogs will read all that and go, mm. oh, don't like people. You have to jump away from them. Well, they're a bit close. I might have to bark at them. <laughs> and then they get yanked on the on the lead <laughs> and yeah. then uh, told no and stop it and be good. And then they go, really don't like people now. Mm. God, no, I don't know them. They, they're coming close to me. I'm like, hurts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all those subtle body language cues, isn't it? Because that's what I feel, you know, obviously a dog will respond to being shouted at and also the tone of voice and things. But I've just always noticed it with dogs, particularly when you see dogs off the lead, if their owner seems really casual with it and you're not 
ignorant casual but just casual and the dog's just chilled out about it mm. you're like it's kind of they're like reflecting each other but if you've got someone who appears nervous like oh no my dog's off off the lead mm. then the dog kind of gets a little bit skittish as well okay they can they read you mm. they're very good at that they're brilliant at reading well, they read each other's body language the mm. tiny little subtle things that change in you know with, with dogs they can read each other brilliantly and as i said earlier we forget they can actually talk to yeah. each other and they can interact and then we tr- keep trying to dive in and say no you mustn't do it like that you must mm. you know and, it, and we try and control that aspect of it yeah and do you know what sometimes just let them get on with it mm. you know if the longer says nothing bad happening you know let them have a little bit of a but keep walking you know don't have to be there all day just quick sniff quick greet and then if they're you know if they're both nice calm dogs let them have a little sniff because what's lovely about sniffing um so you might notice dogs sniff all the time mm. if you're an entire male you'll wee on every single other bit of wee that they can find it takes hours to get through walks sometimes mm. um but what they do they will get so much information from that urine that mm. urine spot probably how old that dog is you know the dog that's urinated is mm-hmm. if it's healthy mm-hmm. um if it's uh, female or male and what stage it's in there's been, so we don't really know but there's all sorts of information dogs get mm. mice do we, no, we know that we've got lots of research on mice that they can tell all sorts of things if a male mouse meets the um a mouse that it's already smelt its urine and that mouse is ill so there might be a mouse and they've given it a high worm burden so it's mm. a poorly mouse and they took some urine and they left it around so this other mouse because they're very territorial mice mm. <laughs> smells it when it meets that mouse it's more likely to beat it up because it knows it's ill right. even though it's never met it before okay. if a mouse can do that imagine what dogs can do <laughs> yeah. so there's a lot of information dogs will pick up um, through through all those scents and smells. Hence, mm. they've got to keep their nose nice and moist. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, it's a, and then they'll file it. <laughs> they'll mm. have it they'll, so when the dog goes up to the dog, where's it, what's it doing? Straight underneath. Mm-hmm. Have I smelt you before? Oh, yes. Now, what can I know? Go through my filing cabinet. Oh, yes. Now, you were the male. You come here every couple of weeks. We don't know if they do that exactly, but it'd be something similar. Mm. We don't use our noses much, so we haven't got a clue how it works. Of course, The only yeah. time I think we can probably get an idea is if you smell, if you go in and smell, I don't know, cakes cooking or something, yeah. <laughs> baking in the oven, and it sort of transports you back to Granny's because mm. it's a particular cake or Christmas smell. Take you smells, back to that memory. And you take you back to the memory. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you, you can have that memory and you can be there and you could that, that scent mm. will, will trigger that sort of really nice memory or not so nice memory. Um and they, I think dogs do this in abundance. <laughs> so mm. How they live most of their life would be in that scented world. Mm. But us, it's all about what we're doing now. Chat, chat, chat. <laughs> of course, yeah, because that's our kind of almost like our dominant sense in a way. And what do we do? Chat, chat. Oh yeah, even with our dogs, yeah. chatting away. So mm. they switch off half the time. <laughs> yeah. Unless they hear the biscuit in the middle of it, and then they're all they'll start listening. <laughs> so I, I was a dog walker for a year, I think. I just had no money and uh, an option came up to be a dog walker and I went, I, uh, yes, let's do that. Um, and I had this this blue spaniel called Buddy who was amazing, such a character. Um, I used to walk him all the time around Green Island and he would urinate on everything. <laughs> and it got to the point where, um, and that sidebar on this, the first time I took any dog out for a walk, I could never listen to music because I felt like I was being rude in case they wanted to say something, you know? Um, But he would urinate on everything. And it got to a point where I was just like, all I'm aware of is that dogs urinating on something is like marking their territory. And I just think, 
does this dog think he owns all of this? And if he does, why does he have to keep marking his territory? <laughs> He's advertising. Yeah. Um, and, it, um, and of course, most of it does tend to happen a lot, lot more if you're if you're entire. Once you're castrated, it, that that it, it's not it's not you're not driven so much by the the sex of it all. Right. Uh, you know, you're not, you're not looking for females. You're not looking for males to challenge. You're more likely to want to play or play ball or chase a rabbit or something okay. like that. So it it does depend on whether they're entire or not, how much they they do it, but. Yeah, well, it's it's really advertising the fact that they're there, um, finding you know little clues about where the nearest females are mm. and who your local challenges are. Mm. So you can go and beat them up if you think they're there. <laughs> not, beat not them healthy. up because they're sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're healthy. Uh, yeah, and of course it. Yeah, and it, it's it's a it's quite time consuming. It's hard work being an entire male. Mm. Um, <laughs> As I suppose lots of young men will find out, you know, know about when they go to the nightclubs. It is hard work, I think. <laughs> hmm. um, <laughs> so I just, my mind went elsewhere then for You were talking earlier on about, you know, lightning to um, animals to people. <laughs> I'm sorry, I do it all the time. Mm. But I think it, just because, I mean, we're not dogs, mm. but we do share certain things. We are a social creature and mm. so is a dog. A cat isn't. Mm. It's a a territorial, solitary hunter. Doesn't want friends. Mm. It really doesn't. It'll tolerate other cats. And we like lots of cats, but cats don't like lots of cats. If you give them a choice, they'd just say, I think I have the whole lot. Just you. That'd be great. Thanks. Mm -hmm. If you just leave me alone in the daytime for work, (laughs) don't have lockdowns. (laughs) I'll be hanging around all the time. Don't change my routine. Give me all the food I like and desire. Give me control over the door. I'm just coming in and out. They don't want to go out, whatever. They Mm. are control freaks. (laughs) Completely different things. Um, but we yeah, we do share similarities. We have feelings, and we mm. go back to emotion. Yeah, we are emotional animals, and animals are emotional mm. animals as well. Um, we used to years and years and years and years ago think they're like little robots. They're not. Mm. You know, they feel love and mm. lust and caring and fear and happy. You know, all these things. Mm. And something on my favourite emotion is seeking, which is mm. basically the Friday feeling. Right. Uh, anticipation if you're not working mm-hmm. or you're just about to go on holiday to remember that holiday <laughs> but that day before we've been whizzing around boots trying to pick up all the little pots of things mm-hmm. yeah away, <laughs> all excited and packy and um, but at the same time you might be a little bit nervous as well mm. <laughs> but it's that anticipation anticipation that something good's gonna happen and it's a motivation and it's run by something called dopamine which yeah. is a neurotransmitter um that keeps you and keeps dogs and and cats hunting for something hmm. busy if it wasn't for that they would just sit around and probably starve to death hmm. you have to have that motivation to go out that excitement it's also what gamblers get addicted hmm. to not winning's good winning winning's good i was up at the rugby and lovely big durenin uh, in rush when they won fantastic but the the gambling bit is that anticipation that you might or that feeling you might win something hmm. which risk. is the dopamine is that is that Am I going to, you know, yeah. Mm. It's exciting. It's run on the same um, system as cocaine. So it's mm. basically cocaine for the brain. Um, and you're whizzy and buzzy. But too much of it, yeah. You get, it's very addictive. And too much of it, you get very agitated. So if you see children on New Year's Eve, for instance, mm. they get really excited and it's really fun. Then it all, cause they start arguing and can't sleep and, and, and crying. You know? So it's not the collies are full of it. We don't want too much of it. <laughs> but a little bit is good. It's what keeps the joy mm. in our lives. And I think the joy, you can, you can give that to animals by the way you feed them. Mm. You know, don't give it in a bowl. We eat up out of a bowl. 
we enjoyed going out and sitting in front of them you know, with our knives and forks and sitting in front of them the table and each other and they dogs no they you give it a bowl it's gone what's mm. the fun in that don't give it a bowl ditch the bowl feed them in fun ways where they've got to think about they've got to switch their nose on they've mm. got to go and find it they've got to do what they would do normally in the wild basically okay. go and hunt for it mm. give them something to do if we don't do something if we, we sit around all day we get bored so we have hobbies mm-hmm. to fill our time if we're not doing anything or we work non-stop um but dogs what hobbies can dogs have when they've had their food what's left they've got mm. all this time in their time budget to do what in get up to naughty things mm. <laughs> well what we think are naughty things so give them don't let them have that time to get up naughty things and chew and empty your bin and chew your legs off your sofa or whatever mm. give them so much to do hide the food in little puzzle toys mm. in the garden or in the, in the house lay little trails they've got to smell where they go you know where, mm. where the food is hidden just and when you're out walking take take your breakfast Okay, wow. Big handful. Throw it in, in, into the into a field. Send them off on hunting for it. They'll find every bit of it, especially if they're a spaniel. <laughs> and then look at the you know, the breed of the dog. Is it what is it like best? Yeah. Some like chasing after a ball. Some like just picking the ball up. They like catching it and killing it. Mm. Some just like chasing it. They don't bring it back. <laughs> Some like to chase it, find it, bring it back. They all they've all got their own. They're all individual. Um, the breed's going to have something to do with it, but all dogs are individual. They've all got different backgrounds, different owners, it's like different genetics, and they have different mm. experiences. So this is where I come in. I have to go in there and I have to work out who your dog is mm. <laughs> and why it's like that. And and then see if we can work on you know changing or mod- modifying that emotion or that behaviour and see what emotional state it's in. So even... For the sake of almost like um, as a compromise, if obviously you feed your dog out of a bowl, but don't have it in the same place every day, like move it around different parts of either the house or if you've got a garden, do it there. Just you could have little bulk, little bits of food, yeah. If it's wet food, for instance, if you're on raw food, don't fling raw chicken about, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you can still put it into in, in little microwavable, um, not microwavable, a dishwasherable, <laughs> um, some plastic plate things or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, and you can have little plates around, around the place. But I just got give them something to do hmm. so they've got to find it. It's much more fun. And they love it because mm. that releases that little bit of, little bit of dopamine, that bit of, oh, we're going to get something good. Mm. You know, what are we going to find at the end of this? Is it going to be good? I'm so excited. It's no, it's, I liken it. Well, again, we're doing this, um, looking at this, the different, <laughs> anthropomorphizing, anthropomorphizing mm. um, dogs. But it's, it, should, it must be similar to how we feel when we're little and we play hide and seek. Right. So you're outside the door. Your granny's in there with a the silver thimble trying to hide it somewhere. There's not many places in a small room she can hide it. Mm. But we, we, we love it. <laughs> I remember this well. And it's a silver. It's not even silver. Anyway, she <laughs> hides it. And, um, you know, that feeling you get outside the door. One, you're with your brother and the competition is starting to ramp up. You know, and two, oh, we're going to find it. And it's so exciting. And mm. you go around looking for the same old places because there's not many places to hide it. Um, and she can do this every day and we'll still get that massive rush. Mm. And think about it, we don't even get to keep the thimble. Not that, well, we don't want it. We would want the thimble yeah. when we're seven, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that anticipation of finding it. Mm. And that gives you that real motivation and buzz and excitement mm. and joy. So add, so add joy into, the, into your animal's life. Because, I mean, you're basically just describing, um, so my girlfriend's uh, collie, um, her older one called Nelly, her favourite game is she'll give you her ball 
and then you hide it somewhere mm. and then she just gets to go sniffing around and finding it and she's just so excited about it and it's just oh, I, I love seeing it but I've never even considered the idea that that combined with that's how they have their meals and kind of taking yeah, back to that that predator kind of oh, it doesn't have to be almost. food it can be a ball it, hmm. you know your dog we we you know the owners know their dogs better than than anybody hmm. um and you, you just that's again my, one of my jobs i go and then what does it like to do best well let's use that hmm. um to what we call counter conditioning in you know, if, if the dog's scared of something we can use this um what it likes best to sort of make it a nice thing <laughs> the scary mm-hmm. thing we can change it into a nice um, and association rather than a negative one mm-hmm. um but yeah usable that so i mean collars are bred we've bred them over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to spend an awful lot of time mm. in their day doing something well you know there's no point having a collie if you're, if you're working all day and you've got a very yeah. small small flat and you know you'll drives it driving nuts mm. but so get it to, to do something it doesn't have to do sheep it doesn't have to herd sheep if it wants to go and find a ball spend you know hot, mm. fight, hide balls for it um they do have to come down from that high as well though which is sometimes quite difficult for Collie to do yeah uh, well so <laughs> to switch is, them off of course uh, with with Nelly it's, when I'm speaking to, to Eva about it she'll say you know whether it's five minutes or five hours it's never enough you just must play Please yeah. keep playing, and, and, it's, and yeah. there's an intrinsic. They should, should get a huge reward for that. So intrinsically, mm. the the buzz. So really, but basically, collars are just um, cocaine addicts, <laughs> and you got to be careful you don't become their dealer. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting as well. So a friend of mine recently got a a golden retriever. Um, he grew up with golden retrievers, um, and he's at a stage of his life now. Where he's like, I can spend a lot of time with this dog and do it properly, um, but he said within the first few weeks of having him he was just like this is mental that i have a dog and no one stopped me i've just paid the money and now i have this creature like there's no you have to do this course and pass it to go Mm. yeah you can look after an animal and it takes me on to what you were kind of saying there about you know like a collie is a, a dog of high intelligence it needs stimulation but i feel like we're still at that stage where people buy dogs based on how do they look not that they all have different personalities mm. and different you know tropes and characteristics um is that a big part of like kind of what you do with your work is go kind of seeing people going this dog doesn't quite match your personality but we're going to try and make that happen no I okay think it is, um i wouldn't uh, no it, it it's not fair i mean lot, lot, it's not the owner's fault i think it's against one of those mis, mis, um, misconceptions that it's the owner's fault mm. But it doesn't always help. <laughs> it, it very often isn't. It, it's to do with the dog's character. It doesn't fit in with whatever. But it's not the owner's fault that their dog's... It's not their fault that, it, um, that it's... Um, the, the, well, the, the, the breeders were breeding them, mm. <laughs> the wrong dogs together or whatever. Um, it's, I think, with... It's very difficult, I think, is, is, to, is, is what I don't do is go into a house and say, you shouldn't have had this dog. Mm. Uh, and this is a completely <laughs> the wrong breed for yeah. you. Um, oh, no, you shouldn't be doing it like that, which, of course, is what people do on, on internet and the mm. comments first thing. If you Absolutely, say, yeah. yeah, I've got this puppy, you will get 20 people going, well, you should, you should go and adopt a dog. You yeah. shouldn't have a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't be breeding. Yeah. You know, oh, it, it's, everyone's got an opinion. Um, and it's quite scary. Mm. Um how do I go about it? 
I think it's just giving that enough information for the owner to make up their own mind or, or to see it for themselves. Mm. And they come to their own conclusions. Um, and so if you give, it, you know, give them enough in, um, information to discuss things, it, if it's the wrong sort of dog for them, then the owners can adapt their environment or change perhaps way. Or if they have to go, you know, put hands up and say, you know, I was wrong, I shouldn't have got a working cock spaniel, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy in the office. Mm. Then there's no reason. There's, you know, it doesn't matter if they move it somewhere. I don't think you know it's not going to be cruel and, and horrible. The dog will get more. Its welfare will be better in somewhere else, and it will be doing. Mm. It will be stuck in a, in the wrong environment. Dogs are adaptable. They they they'll be okay. Um, you might feel feel horribly guilty. Mm. Um, that's not that's not my job. <laughs> no, <of laughs> that's sort of like a okay. There's probably someone else that can help you with the guilt, um, but. Yeah, it's understandable, and it's hard. Mm. I mean, when I the the first dog I had, I think when we came back um, from a Singapore or one of the places, um, before I started all of this, we went to the, our local rescue and we got a dog. We were just about to sell this little house I had, mm. and um, it. I didn't realise it, but as soon as I left it, it it, it just wrecked the place. Mm. It was digging through carpets. It was trying to get through the cat flap. It, it escaped. It was like, okay. So I rang them. I sort of went back to the animal shelter and said, like, this RSPCA in Nottinghamshire, like, what's going on? Because I, I had no idea. I've never seen a dog do this before. My dogs are fantastic. Mm. You know, um, never, never knew this sort of existed because in those days, a long time ago, um, no spring chicken. Um, it, it wasn't, you know, nobody knew about separation anxiety. It wasn't a word. Mm. It probably wasn't even, you know, there was no name for it. <laughs> but... Um, uh, it, it really shocked me, and I went back to them. And said, what, what can I do? Well, there's n- nothing. I don't know. Just we can bring it back, and I'll give you another one. Like no, no, okay, we want another <laughs> one. But you will have to have it back. So I'm selling the house, and I and I don't know what to do. Mm. And that that was a big thing. And I felt the guilt was amazing. You know, it was incredible. Which again, there's nothing that spurred me on. I, I want to find out more about what I can do in the future because mm. this is oh, this is before I, d- I did any of this. Um, and when I was a veterinary nurse, I don't remember many people coming in with behavioural problems either there's biting but the dog was normally put straight to sleep in those mm. days um, but there was nobody coming and said you know my dog's destroying the house when I go out or it's howling all the time or it's biting people or it's attacking other dogs mm. I don't remember any of that but now you know it's, it's much more mainstream mm. and, and people are aware of it but whether there was more of it went on and the dog the owners just got rid of the dog Mm. I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I so, so know. what, what could have the, always been there. Yeah, but we just weren't aware of it. The tolerance, and yeah, like I said, the at the irony of not empathising with the dog as much because it it's just the dog back then mm. versus like oh no, this is my fur baby. You know, it's so yeah. much emotion into it, yeah. and it's almost just trying to find that that happy middle ground of this, yeah, like, which thing. just comes back to are we babying mm. our dogs too much because probably in those days I remember my mum's dog it was a Scotty called Jock obviously <laughs> and she used to let it go out in, in, the, in the estate we lived in mm. and, and it was entire and off it went and it come back and we'd quite often see little square puppies around um, and they had a big fight with all the other dogs that were wandering around the estate <laughs> it's sort of 70s or 60s late 60s 70s people just used to let the dogs out and they used to wander about mm. and if they got they bit anybody. It was like, well, you shouldn't have touched it then or mm. took his bone away. I mean, Jock bit me on my nose here, like a scar, mm. because I took a bone off him. 
So oh. what did my mum say? Well, you shouldn't have taken the bone off him then. Yeah. And that was it, really. Nowadays, social services are probably... Yeah, no, that's <laughs> very true, isn't it? Um, and I said to her one day, she said, well, you shouldn't have done it, should you? Because she's still at that age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a different thing, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah, and, he, and he, he'd meet other dogs and they'd probably have a scrap or whatever. But there wasn't so many cars around, of course. Yeah, there wasn't course, the yeah. dangers. There wasn't as many dogs, I don't think, mm. or as dense. You know, these estates were all... Everybody knew each other. It's a different world, different time. Um, mm. We don't allow our dogs just to get on with it now. There's too many of them in too small an area. And there's... I think we probably do stuff that means that they're not going to be as friendly with each other because mm. we think we should keep them with, them, with us on a lead all the time. Yeah. <laughs> we don't give them time. But at the same time, we don't want them to meet another dog and get... Especially if they're younger... We don't want them to be beaten up or attacked because that's a memory that's going to last. You know, we want to keep them safe. It's just like same as having children. Mm. They've got to have a little bit of resilience. They've got to meet a few people that aren't going to say no to them. You know, they are going to lose the sack race, of course, sometimes. Just to build that little bit of resilience. Same with dogs. They've got to meet a few dogs that go rah, but not the ones that start biting them and attacking Mm. them and rolling over or bullying them. And that's. Where it, you, know, you get the arguments and the pendulum swung right the other way now that we shouldn't be allowed allowing any dogs to run over to other dogs. But how are they going to learn if they don't? Mm. It's, it's difficult. It's, it's, it's a dilemma. Of course, it's yeah. It's a dilemma. I'm, I'm curious what you think of this then because, um, so going back to my mate and his um, his puppy, Golden Retriever, is called Toast. And he's, Toast. he's at the, at the age Why? where his head probably... <laughs> touches the the top of the table right now so he's only a few months but obviously big and we thought what would be great is um my boss's dog she has a golden retriever who's uh five called Bodie, and it's just the most docile generic golden retriever um and we're like let's introduce them and then you know toast can play with a bigger dog because a lot of the dogs on his walk are smaller and he's got that puppy energy mm. this should be great uh Bodie wasn't having it and he is the like i said loves every dog um, Toast is, is jumping all over him, um, doing that thing which is kind of like getting underneath him to try and sniff his his familiars. Um, <laughs> and Bodhi is constantly kind of giving him that growl, that little snap to just like back off. Mm. Then Toast backs away a little bit, but then he comes back and then it escalates. But we were kind of just letting it happen because there was no sense of Bodhi's going to attack him. He's just kind of going, just go away. And in a human sense... You probably get two attempts at that before you go, right, I'm going to hit you now. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's probably exactly what's going to happen. So mm. there's, you're going to push him up that ladder or the little puppy's going to push him up that ladder until he actually has to perhaps gra- grab him in his mouth and give him a bit of a shake. Yeah. He's not going to want to kill him. He's not going to But he's going to want to say, no, absolutely enough's enough. Mm. So that's when you go, do you know what? I don't want to put him, I don't want to set him up to fail here. If we mm. leave him, we're going to set him up to fail. He's going to go and have a bit of a go at, at toast. Mm. So what we'll do is we'll go, oh, look, we're all going outside. Come on then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, rattle, rattle, a ball, treats, blah, blah. And you just um, reduce that tension and get them to do something else. Mm. So they are now, instead of that getting a bit crosser and a bit crosser, we're going to put them into that, oh, you're going to, we might do something because we're putting on our fun. Come on then, let's go and mm. do something, boys. A bit of um, dopamine hit there. And come on, let's go and do some toys and plays. And we can play, you can play through the food. and So you can, a bit like humans, again, with the children, you know, you get to that stage with kids where mm. you think, they're playing nicely, they're playing nicely. Oh, I don't know, they're getting a bit 
loud and then they start arguing right okay everybody let's come downstairs who wants ice cream (laughs) just diffuse just to mix it up just diffuse it because yeah puppies are thoroughly annoying Mm. and and, and small children can be thoroughly annoying you know we don't want them to keep on (laughs) well so what's interesting is so we're walking around uh grante and we did this little circle a couple of times we were like oh this is not going well like bodhi poor bodhi is is being as patient as he can be but you know toast is clearly annoying him okay so well let's go down for lunch at sands you know sit change up the location have lunch and then we went up and did the circuit again and what was interesting is on the way around the the what would have been the third time bodhi does the like the downward dog position of which i understand as i'm up for playing puppy play bow yeah yeah down at the front paws yes, bum in the air yeah so <laughs> Open mouth, like, lollipy tongue. Yeah, but he only did it once um, and they were playing for a bit and then he was almost like, no, you still don't get it. <laughs> it's too much toast. Stop jumping on me. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, that's fair enough. You know, it, it, they, they will, they've got ways of getting, stopping him. Mm. But, but he's not, he's probably not going to really, really hurt him. Mm. Um, but I think in the context of, I know Bodhi very well. Obviously, Toast is known very well by his owner. So we kind of go, we know the parameters. There might be a bit of shouting, a bit of, um, you know, almost like that little nip, but not nip. Mm. And it's fine, but almost cool. We know the signs of what to look out for. But that is just a natural part of their socializing and playing. Like Toast needs to learn. Bodhi did at one point go go away and yeah. he very I think much you, learned you go to it, you, you let, let it go to a little bit but sometimes the pups are going don't care yeah okay, of you course, can say yeah, yeah I'm going to come back for more and then I think you've got to, you've got to play the mum and dad role you know yes. you're like okay let's go and do something else now don't get cross don't tell yeah. them off um he's just being a, a, a little pup and he's annoying yeah. and um you know the other one's being I, I'm really I'm trying really hard here to be tolerant yes um so just Notice that. Yeah, Listen course, to yeah. them and go, okay, I'll be your superhero. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to save mm. the day. You don't have to feel cross anymore. We're going to play a game and you can be distracted with something else because you're so silly and little. Because <laughs> mm. I've had it a couple of times as well. Um, so going back to Nelly, Nelly is very much a people-orientated dog. Um, she has her niece, Panda, who lives with her and could care less. <laughs> Quite frankly, uh, Panda, other way around, would love Nelly's attention. Um, but a few times we've gone for walks and other dogs, if they encroach on Nelly's space, she'll she'll build, the, the top lip comes up, she gives him a little growl. They don't is that leave. the collie? Yes. Oh, is she girl? Yeah. Yes. Oh, very good at that. Yeah. Oh, yes, so it's very like, good at that. Get off my backside. Fair exactly. Enough. And at one point we had, uh, we were walking through St. Catherine's and a puppy came across and did that to Nelly and she, she gave her the, like, the bite warning of just being like, get away, dog runs off. And mm. the owner was amazing it was just like yeah you need to learn not to because i think it was a great dane puppy as well mm. so quite big um it was just like you need to learn not all dogs are going to want you to be in their space absolutely and i think we we, we sort of we, i think we try and step in too much mm. almost um, like yeah like recognizing when it's when it's just them talking to each other essentially yeah. and when it's like right don't let your dog get mauled for the sake yeah, of going absolutely. well taught them a lesson yeah no yeah no <laughs> you don't you know, you're not very good at crossing the road well get hit by a car then, yeah, and then exactly. you're like <laughs> no you can't do that um yeah so it's up to us to be responsible but i think mm. it's up to us to listen to our dogs and our cats mm-hmm. and our rabbits don't get me talking about what well, started on rabbits but rabbits really don't need to be in cages so please let them all out mm. <laughs> into nice big runs um horses as well i mean horses we say about you know, what we do with children now is not what we were doing 20 30 mm. years ago and um, dogs 
are getting there. They're a bit behind that. Horses are way, way back. Mm. <laughs> you know, the way we treat our horses is even further back. Um, so, it, but it's it's it, it's moving in the right direction. It will be regulated. This field at some point. Mm. There are there are, it's in talks at the moment. Obviously, with COVID and stuff, it's not high on the list. But yeah. it is. It's been talked about in you know in the in Parliament, um, um, Westminster and stuff like that. So we've you know we're there <laughs> we're getting there and there there's already standards set mm. and there's something called the um, animal behavior training council that sets standards for the trainers and for the behaviorists and veterinary behaviorists and all this sort of thing and you can go on there and you think right what what do i you know look at my, i've got a problem with my dog and uh, i need somebody vet said you know they can't refer look on this um uh this website so you've got your clinical animal behaviorist so if you've got mm. a quite a serious problem you will need a clinical mm. animal behaviorist if it's just a train you want to train your dog to sit or come back and all that sort of thing or stop jumping up then you know and there's a little toilet things there's lots of things mm. to, uh, that trainers um yeah that, that you, you just need to train a, a good train a good positive reward trainer for mm. um but if you've got some really serious aggression problems or the dog's mutilating itself or it's wrecking the place or it's so anxious it's anxiety based it, it's mental health issues basically mm. then you really need your clinical animal behaviorist um, there's not many of them <laughs> there mm. is a few but not as many as there really needs to be um and you, then you need those and i'd say i've got gone off track and completely forgotten what I was that's absolutely say. Well, where were we what was i saying Oh yeah, Animal Behaviour Training Council. So um, if you want to find somebody, just even have a chat, you know, I've got this problem, I don't know really if it's a proper problem or a problem problem or if it's nothing, you know, am mm. I seeing things? As I said, you know your animal. If you think it's not behaving, right, if you think there's something wrong, if you have the, that sort of niggle, <laughs> mm. then go with it, you know, believe yourself. You, you know your animal if you think it's something's behaving differently. A dog that used to eat loads and loads isn't. Or a dog that didn't was really picky, suddenly eating loads and loads. Mm. Yeah, dogs that used to run around madly aren't. Those that uh, you know, aren't, or chilled, are suddenly running around madly. There's something not quite yeah. right, and cats as well. Then, yeah, believe yourself. Have mm. faith. <laughs> um, and, and try and work out what, what it is. Yeah, go to the vet. Rule out the medical stuff. They might then refer you on to somebody. Um, from the Animal Behaviour Training Council, we're saying they've got the sta- they've set the standards, and it's looking like it'll be those standards standards that will go forwards when it's all regulated, mm. um, which is good. Whether it happens in my lifetime, I don't mm. know. it has been going on a long time, um, but at some point it will. Whether it be law, yeah, you, know, you still probably find you can have lots of you know, people advertising as trainers, mm. dog walkers, behaviourists. But your vet will only really be allowed to refer onto somebody that's got the you know, the right standards up to you know, the knowledge and experience and, and, and qualifications. Uh, it's not just about qualifications. That's what a lot of people of course, will, will yeah. say to me. Mm. Oh, it's all very well reading lots of books. I'm like, oh, are you joking? I was a, I worked in horses for a year. <laughs> I was a vet reader. So, uh, no, there's plenty of that before um, you even get to all the the training that you do, you have to do and then the practical stuff as well but mm. and then the many years of actually going out and doing it and learning mm. you know you do learn a lot on on the job as well and we are always learning we have you know webinars and continuum personal development all the time yeah. <laughs> and years ago the academic um 
or the actually well, the research groups weren't really interested in um, companion animals, but now they are. There's obviously money in it, mm. so they they are now getting a lot more. Uh, and there's loads. I mean, there's, there's papers coming out every day. There's lots of really interesting stuff coming out. And we said the more that we know, we know the, the more that we know, still to learn, mm. <laughs> a lot to learn. But we are miles ahead when you're looking at academia. There's so much up there. Mm. But it's not coming quite, not trickling down enough. Yeah. To the general sort of dog owner. Mm. And I, and I don't know why we've got, well, I think because they can't find it. Hmm. You've gone to Google or whatever and there's so much stuff. Of course, stuff yeah. They can't find the right stuff, I think. And I think it, it, it's got to be a, a certain amount of you speak to your friends who have yeah. dogs and, you know, all it takes is for someone to be confident about what they're saying about a dog or, mm. or a cat or any other, other companion animal, like you're saying. And you just go, yeah. That yeah, sounds we, right. Well, we believe our experts, mm. which is, I mean, there's lots of research on that. Uh, or anybody that acts a bit yeah, yeah, um, confident and stuff. Um, and it's happened to theirs. And they've done it with their dog, and that's worked. Um, and a friend of mine, she's done a lot of research in Liverpool, looking at why, well, why, well, what people, um, when dogs bite, um, that she asked the question, she went to people that dogs have bitten and said, why do you think it's bitten mm. <laughs> or what what you, what are you feeling um <clears throat> and they ask the question of why what 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 why why your dog <laughs> and they say, oh I, I, we don't know we we we, we think or oh, most of the answers were we didn't realize it was going to happen to mm. us it, it's um we just didn't think that our dog would would ever go and bite anybody um they didn't. I can't stop there because I'm completely gone on the wrong track. So we can get rid of that bit. <laughs> <laughs> ignore, 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 ignore. <laughs> yeah, you, if you're confident enough, people will believe you. Hmm. Um, and the PDSA bring out something every year uh, called Paul Report. And they were looking at, they were looking, they were asking questions to people about, um, you know, where do you get your information from? Mm. And yeah, it's mostly, <laughs> it's not from the vet, not from mm. behaviourists. It's from internet friends, yeah. magazines, television, possibly books. Mm. And there's some great books out there, but again, you've got to find the right books to, to pick up. But of course, you've got television as well. Yeah. Um, people that have been on the television, especially a few years ago. Some American gentlemen used to do all sorts of things, mm. <laughs> rolling their dogs over and his dogs over, and um, yeah, um, and he's very, you know, everybody knows that he's really we don't want to follow him anymore, mm. um, and he's a, you know, not a good dog trainer. <laughs> um, I think probably people still follow him, but he's not making the money, and he's not on in America, you know, on television as much as he used to be. But then in the UK, we've got a very similar sort of person <laughs> that's just appeared. Not to that extent, but still the information he's coming out with. Mm. Yeah, it's a little bit iffy. <laughs> and not how I would, you know, what I would suggest a lot of the time. It's very short term. Now, I know I was approached, a lot of us were approached 
by this production company talking about um, well you know we're, we're doing this tele- we get this all the time we're doing a television program and what's behaviourist blah 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 are you interested can you do this and that and that but we're looking for uh, for quick you know we want 20 minutes we'll do it all in 20 minutes and all of us <laughs> me and lots of clothes we can't do it in 20 minutes mm. I'm sorry yeah you, you, if you could do that well we're miracle workers yeah. you can suppress behaviour in seconds but do we want to suppress the behaviour when it's mm. going to come again to me? It's going somewhere, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah, and of course you're not changing the emotional state of the dog. It still hates other dogs. Yeah. <laughs> we want it to like other dogs. Um, so yeah, it's not going to work in twenty minutes. Mm. Oh yes, you know well, they listened, and you could explain why. You could sit there for hours and hours on, you know, chatting away on Zoom on ta- on, 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 on the old-fashioned phone, <laughs> um, and then you. you and you talk to your, your friends and you know, your colleagues. They go, oh, have you been in, you know, so-and-so television company got in touch? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> have you, yes, we've been talking. Yeah, they want 20 minutes or whatever. Um, yeah, and then you turn around and you think, oh, I've given them all that advice. I'm bound to listen. No, because <laughs> next minute there's someone on going, yes, I can do this in 20 minutes. Yeah, like, it's one no! simple tip. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, these guys have got good agents. They're wanting yeah. to be on the telly, whereas most of us are just too busy mm. and don't want to be on the telly. Um, it gets just a little bit too um stressful mm. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah it, because you'll get a lot of people saying that because it's very emotive dog training is very emotive mm. you don't get this with the cat people mm. but dog people will argue and be quite horrible to each other <laughs> yeah. on some of the forums we've got a good forum here the Jersey mm. dog forum is a good forum there's very good admin and there's lots of interesting good stuff um but in the uk there's some of the forums are, are just um just awful places to be on. They're very yeah, scary and people are, you know, attacking each other. And... They're just a front for people who want to argue and it just happens to be about animals. Yeah, especially when you start mentioning shot collars and you get the shot collar mm. brigades because they, just because they, when they're using shot collars or, they, or they're selling shot collars. So to me, well, they can't be that very nice people mm. anyway. Yeah, uh, But they are loud because mm. there's a lot of money. It's a big, big money industry and mm. they are lobbying in parliament and they have got people and money and they'll keep on wanting to use them because of it's all about money money power and greed well, I, th- I think it's it's a really interesting point because i i wasn't aware it's an unregulated industry mm-hmm. but that rings so true to so i want to be a therapist and that's an unregulated industry i could set up tomorrow and be like john leo therapist and all that has to do is i just have to promote myself in the right way for mm-hmm. someone to be like okay sam but you wouldn't go to a doctor who was just like his own ran his or her own random practice mm. and it was just no qualification they were like but i've seen some stuff so i think i yeah. know but we'll we'll go so casually to just like say internet forums for significant mm. problems with our dogs and we don't think about and obviously we'll go to the vet if it's if it's medical mm. but just going on to that next step like go to someone who's an actual professional who knows these things don't leave it to chance with just some random person mm. so it's almost like the the double-edged sword of it not being regulated gave you that kind of gateway straight into mm. it but it's almost like once you're there and you realize and go we can't just let people just do That's this <laughs> there's a lot more um colleges and courses so mm. you, you can actually go and do a clinical companion yeah. animal course now so it, it's it there's a lot of structure there now but no absolutely absolutely right mm. um Mental health for dogs and cats and rabbits and horses and, and other animals is just as real. Mm. And then they're going to feel 
like we do, they're going to you, know, you do get depressed mm. dogs. You certainly get anxious dogs, anxiety. Mm. They are on antidepressants. You know, we use antidepressants yeah. to help them. Um, they get post-traumatic stress mm. symptoms. Um, <clears throat> if they've had something, a terrible trauma, and you'll get afterwards for years. You know, there's all sorts of things that can come out: aggression, you know, aggressive behaviour, fearful behaviour. Um, they are sentient beings and we've got to look at them like that and realize that they have got emotional states and they will feel mm. sad <laughs> and miserable yeah um they'll also probably trick you a little bit as well and put on that please don't leave <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or can i have a biscuit i really like cheese <laughs> um but that's what makes them so lovable because mm. they they are so they've got these lovely appeasing gestures and they know exactly how to to to, to live with humans they're very good and they can read us mm. very well I think we suit being together. Hmm. So cats completely different. <laughs> well, ca- ordinary cats. When we start talking about exotic cats, that's a completely different. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> completely different cat. And I do tend to see more Bengal cats <laughs> than mm. I do any other cat. But um, and I've never seen those great big ones yet. The savannah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I haven't seen one of those here. Yeah, I'm sure they must be here somewhere. I'm looking forward to seeing one of those. I think. <laughs> um, just just as purely as your own. Um, subjective opinion so no one needs to get annoyed by this being like the the you know the the, the, the last word on this subject but mm-hmm. how do you feel about people walking their cats <laughs> okay because it's really popular at the moment is it yeah. i've not noticed um <laughs> well yeah, if the, well do you know what ask the cat it all depends my, my answer to everything is quite often well it depends on what context is in room ask it do you like being walked if it goes, yeah, great, you know, puts his paws in through the thing and then trots out, tail up, you mm. know, happy ears, happy face, having a nice time, great. Mm. He likes it. Yeah. Um, if it doesn't, it runs off and hides or hits, spits at you or hisses at you. Mm-hmm. We see his flattened back or um, rolls on its tummy and refuses to put his paws into it. Or it's scared and running and pulling. Well, obviously not. Yeah. You know, ask it. So I would say to mm. Does your dog or cat like it? Ask it. Mm. Do you want it? Do you want it? Or give it a choice. Which one do you want? What do you want to do? Hmm. You know, are you happy about this? Look at the body language. No, it's not. And if you think, he doesn't seem happy. It's surprising how many people I know. Well, I think I'm sure he's not happy. Well, how do you know he's not happy? Well, he does this and this. Well, he's not happy. <laughs> You're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. He's not happy. Hmm. Well, I thought so, but I didn't know. Hmm. I, you know, it, I think it's, we've we've been listening to this, master alpha leader thing for so long Mm. that we can't quite get out of it you know we still think oh no it you know that they are we have to be they have to be treated as as if they are these submissive you know they've got Mm. to be submissive to us because we are the boss and the leader i think it's just so much of it we've been brought up with it It's and it's part of our psyche. We have to get out of that and just go. Go. I don't mind. Treat it as a fur baby if you want. Mm. But it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a baby with fur. Um, it's much cleverer than a baby. <laughs> a baby, a human baby at that age. Um, it is a dog, and this is what dogs do. Learn a bit about how dogs live and what they like. Mm-hmm. You know your dog, and ask it. Mm. And and but don't be scared of giving it stuff if he wants but then it's a bit like children don't over spoil it if you if you give your dog something every time it goes paw mm. or, or howl then it's it's reinforcing it howls it gets stuff mm. it howls it gets stuff it howls it gets stuff it howls it gets stuff it howls you'd suddenly go no 
it gets frustrated, mm. howls even louder, because you know, it's not getting what it's expecting to do. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? We're training it, basically. Well, he's training you. You're training your dog to howl to get food. Because that's, that's like the experiment. I think that was with rats where they press a button and a treat comes down. I don't know. I, oh, it's loads of those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sure there's a specific one. Of just... stick, stick rats in Skinner boxes, yeah. Yeah, They yeah. can do all sorts of things. Um, yeah, so ask. Hmm. Ask, your, being, ask being... your cat. Yeah, they will tell you if it wants to do something or, or mm. not do something. Um, but you, you'll, be surprising, you'll be surprised at how well your dog has trained you. And you just think I've got to be you no. Know, I've got to be walking around, go no, and stop it. And I, I'm I'm bossing what to to do that. Mm. And the dog goes okay. I'll, I'll look my my appeasing face on because he obviously crosses got his cross face on. So <laughs> I'll look all cute and sweet and go all sort of small and and big eyed and and it will and he'll, he'll forgive me for mm. whatever it is I've done because I've got no idea what I've done wrong. Um, they, they don't have that right. I mean, that's a human construct. Hmm. I don't know what's right and wrong. Stealing, yeah, you know, stealing's not right or wrong in a dog world. You, no. you, you've got to steal to survive. Yeah. <laughs> quite often, hmm. and territorial dogs will come in and steal other territory. It's it's normal. <laughs> it's what hmm. to do. Well, that's that's the interesting thing, isn't it? The like the humanification of of dogs just being like. They know our moral compass, and it's like they don't. They don't have their own complete. They probably do have sort of doggy morals. Yeah, probably not biting your own is a good idea, and not biting your puppies, and not attacking small puppies. But however, once they get a bit bigger and they've they've sexually matured, Mm. and they're a bit adolescent, a bit cocky, well, I might have to give them a telling off then. But you know, there's yeah, they they don't know our rules and regulations. They haven't got a clue what's right or wrong. Mm. That's something completely human. Yes, it's (laughs) like if you know if a dog. So I. a German Shepherd years ago and my mum always makes a Sunday roast and she had this chicken carcass that she knew she was like right I'm going to put it right at the back of the kitchen counter dog can't get to this and mm. of course the dog got mm. to it ate the entire thing yep. and it's almost just like of course in that instant obviously we were very concerned that she's eaten a lot of bones in that situation she was absolutely fine thank <laughs> god but um it was just you part of you goes oh I'm hurt now because you've taken the family roast but the dog hasn't gone oh, I'm going to weigh up the pros and cons of this I'm going to take their roast <laughs> he might have done <laughs> um, it's an opportunist you know. yeah. I, well, it'd be, it'd have, it was can I get away with it that's mm. what he would have weighed up can I get away with this probably <laughs> type of thing um, but it's normal <laughs> yes. they it's not what, well, well they not notice well, I don't know but, it's also, but the, the reaction you get mm. that appeasing sort of I'm sorry when we think oh it's sorry because I've told it off and it's looking sorry yeah. we know that doesn't happen because there's lots of um, some really good experiments where you put well, they have um, a room and they have a client and the dog and the dog is the sort of dog that pinches things and and looks sorry and all, yeah. and, and the owner said no it's definitely guilty he's feeling guilty and I know that because I'm looking at him and he's saying I'm you know really sorry okay so what they did they had a room and they had um, owners and their dogs come in and they would have a bit of chicken on a table somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the owner would leave then the owner would come back and then they'd sort of film what the dog did. Mm-hmm. Um, so the owner would go and come back. There'd be no chicken. The dog's looking all sexy, mm. guilty. Okay. <laughs> and they did that lots of times. But what they didn't tell the owners were that actually they were taking the chicken mm. away. So they weren't leaving it there. They were in some cases. Yeah. But in other cases, they weren't. They were leaving. They're taking the chicken away. So the dog hadn't done anything. Mm. But it, there's no difference to its expression. Yeah. Uh, it still looked guilty. Still felt guilty. Because mm. the owner came in and assumed he'd eaten the chicken. Yeah, put on it. You've eaten the chicken yeah. face. And <laughs> the dog's gone, really sorry, really sorry. Yeah. You know, and so... 
they don't have that internal no, that feeling that comprehension I've of what's not, I've, I mustn't do that again I mustn't mm. they can if they get hit or shocked every time they steal chicken mm. they might go oh, I remember that that association I, it hurts when I steal chicken I won't steal chicken anymore you can, mm. this is where people use the aversives because it, it works you know, mm. like, well, we never eat chicken again trouble is it might never ever go in that room again yeah exactly <laughs> or every time it smells chicken it might get quite aggressive or run yeah. away or hide so you can never cook chicken again you know there yeah. is short-term fix long-term there's problems. a long <laughs> there's all sorts of things mm. that can the consequences of that um we've been chatting for an hour and 20 so i'm cautious <laughs> of your time so i don't want to take up too much longer i'm just wanted to i'd be remiss if i didn't ask what would you say is a popular misconception that you deal with with if we say dog owners specifically but people you go to to work with and maybe they they have this idea in their head of this is what I should be doing and actually it's maybe it's different from that it's completely opposite or or something along those lines maybe just a common well it, well I've talked about it before they think it's their fault because they've right. been told it's their fault by people on 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 you know on the, on the internet and mm. the comments and it must be something they've done um they've not been dominant enough or they've mm. you know they've not been kind enough or they've they bought the wrong dog mm. all of those things they'll blame themselves for I, you know the dog bit the child i never realized that that it was, it was never going to do it's never done that before mm. you know that they it's emotional and it's it isn't always their fault mm. in fact it isn't really genetics puppy farms mm. i mean people it's probably their fault for buying a puppy or being duped it's not their fault if they were being duped mm. they're very clever some of these advertisers you know that we want a, a, a cavapoo or a cockapoo. Those are quite they're lovely little dogs, but they're trendy and they are pretty. Um, and I've got a bit of a soft spot for them, but because they are funny, you can do so many tricks. Anyway, we'll go there. But but there's not going to be that many breeders out there. So where are these dogs coming from? Wales, <laughs> from from commercial puppy farms, not necessarily the farms that you think you see on television, where it's all mm. tatty old barns and they're really mucky, mm. you know, dreadlock dogs. It's um, they are commercially bred, licensed puppy farms where that bitch is in that box forever mm. <laughs> until she can't breed anymore, and they're just producing puppies after puppies, um, and. They've got no, you've got to look at the mother. If the mother is stressed and something through epigenetics often leads to stressed puppies, mm. switching off and on genes and things. Um, so that you get these, so puppies that come from stressed mums can often become stressed. Not as puppies, they come over looking cute and sweet. Mm. So when they hit their adolescence, right. so they go through puberty, they get all grown up, they've grown up bodies. And then they um, hit their teens and then anything, and they become just like teenagers. Mm. Yeah, I can do that, but I can't be bothered. Or, you know, mm. um, and anxiety. You know, they can have high, a higher degree of anxiety because teenagers are, are anxious. Mm. Oh, my God, I've got a spot. I can never go out again. You know, all that sort of thing. Mm. Well, and it's relative. I mean, they, to them, it's the end of the world. Of course, they've got yeah. a spot and they can't go out. Mm. Or they haven't, they can't, I, ha- I haven't washed their blue top yeah. they always <laughs> because it happens to be under the bed somewhere covered in dust but you know um but it, they are it, it's real to them you yeah. know and they sleep a lot and anyway so it's a different word because their brain is catching up mm. with their body the body's all grown up 
big girl, big boy bodies, immature adolescent brain that's still snipping bits out of it and organising itself. Mm. Same with dogs and cats. <laughs> they all go through teenage stuff. So it could be that, you know, you've, it's not just the owner. You know, you've got to look at where that dog's come from, the socialising it's had while it's there, if it's had any. Lockdown stops socialising, so that's a problem. So you've got genetics, the breed of the thing. It could be overbred. You could have the best kennel club breeders in the world, mm. but they could be very inbred. <laughs> mm. um, or you've got the wrong breed, or there's an extreme of that breed. Sometimes you get a breed for a certain thing. It's nothing like that at all. It's too chilled. <laughs> it's, it's a rubbish collie. It doesn't do anything. It sits around all day, but that's him. It's fine. <laughs> Other collies are extreme. It doesn't mm. stop working to the point where its pupils are permanently dilated and mm. you can't switch off. Mm. And then it'll start doing compulsive disorders chewing and licking and chasing and spinning and shadow bouncing <laughs> and, and reflection following um so it's not always the owner's fault there's lots of different factors and reasons why you know yeah. d dogs do what they do um and it's never a simple blanket all thing that, you know like you look, look on the telly he's doing this or she's doing that so i'll do that and it will be okay it mm. depends it, it, they're all different it's interesting because this i'm gonna say this and it's not going to mean what it sounds to start with because you often see when it relates to like dog attacks you know there's no such thing as a bad dog just bad owner oh, yeah. but it is almost like to to counterbalance that of just saying like obviously we're not talking about dog fighting we're just talking about dogs as they are is your dog as you get it is its own character has its own things that you can still be trying to do your best but you just haven't figured out the way to be with your dog you know, and it's not that you're a bad owner and the dog is good. It's just that you're complex creatures trying to figure each other out, and yeah. it's just that's. You know, part it's of not it. your fault you haven't got the the, the, the appropriate education or, mm. or the appropriate knowledge or experience. You're not a dog trainer. Most people aren't dog trainers, mm. um, and there's not very few that are dog behaviors. So they're all they're, everybody has an opinion, um, but there's you know, one size doesn't fit all. Yeah. It really doesn't. It's it, there's so many complications involving you know where that dog's come from, mm. what socializing, what is experience has it been you know was it, was it attacked mm. what sort of dog is it is it been neutered is it ill you know is it poor is it feeling a bit under the weather mm. is it just a one-off you know yeah. um thing if it's a dog bite you know is it just sort of more of a one-off because somebody i don't know fell into it or something mm. and it ha just happened to that day to have a bad poor anyway and yeah you know, it's, it's, it's endless so yeah, it's never it takes me hours and hours now talking to somebody about their dog and finding out more and going out with them and having a look at the dog to work out once we can work out why that dog has done what it's done then we can put in place the right you know with the mm. right diagnosis we can put in place the right behavioral modification to to help the dog or, or the cat mm. and i think once you've given that information to the owner and they realize oh my god you know a light bulb moment it's like, oh god it helps people so much to realize there is a reason why their dog's done that it's not because they're a bad owner yeah. or they've done the wrong thing mm. you know and it's not their fault that they've got the wrong training for it or mm. whatever and it helps, I think it helps people just just be kind to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost trying to get get rid of those kind of those black and white terms of good and bad. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't say, you well, you shouldn't be saying it with, with regards to children like that's a bad child. Like, no, you, we know it's circumstantial. It's done, things, yeah, the child's yeah. done a bad thing. What yeah. can we do to thing, make yeah, sure exactly. it doesn't do a bad the thing, thing again? Good, yeah. Um so interesting. I will. I'll stop myself there because okay. I feel like more questions coming on. But Rosie, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting Thank to you. you. I've really enjoyed that. Um, so I mean, you said at the beginning of this, you're you're currently in a stage of not taking on um, new clients. But do you want? 
people to kind of check out your work? Like, how does how does it work for that? We usually just give people. A uh, well, to the, shout at the out. moment, yeah, at the moment, I'm, because of lockdown, mm. I'm inundated, um, and so are my colleagues in the UK because mm. they are obviously offering Zoom as well, um, and yeah. which they can't. You know, you could actually go and find somebody in the UK, but if you if you're desperate, go to the Animal Behavioural Training Council mm-hmm. um, website, and you'll find it. But if you go to your vet. Um, I'm probably about eight weeks or six to eight weeks waiting list at the moment, but it will mm-hmm. get better. Um, but go to your vet anyway if you've got a problem. If they'll they'll rule out any you know medical issues, and then if they think appropriate, they'll they will refer. So I'm still taking on vet referrals, okay. but I can't do my lovely little one to one and puppy classes. Things that I love to do. I love okay. my little one to one puppies. You know, and if you can, if you get a puppy. Um, ring up me or, or email or some of the other good trainers on the island. Say what? You know, what what's? Give mm. me a, give me some good books. Give me some good a direction on on the internet <laughs> where to mm. look. Um, and we're quite happy to, to do all that. There's some great stuff out there. There really is. There's millions of there's, there's loads of the stuff. Um, but there's also a lot of rubbish. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of so misinformation. You might as well go through the people who know the stuff. Yeah, we're here. We're busy. We're here, and yeah. we will. You know, we do want to do our best for all the animals on on the island. Mm. Um, and actually, we're pretty lucky here. Yeah, it, it is a good place. Mm. It's not. It's very different in other countries, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about third world ones. Either. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. (laughs) And on that note. On that note. (laughs) Rosie, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, thank you to everyone for listening. I'm Glad You Exist is made independently by me, John Leo. You can stalk me on Instagram, where I often post photos of dogs, at John Leo, which is J-O-H-N-L-I-O-T. And find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash I'm Glad Podcast where I rarely post anything at all, but you can get in contact there. Shout out to my mate Sizzlebird for providing the music for today's episode. Go check out the description for where you can find him and support his excellent chillstep violin tunes. And now, all that remains to be said, if you've made it this far to hear my voice, well, I'm glad you exist. <laughs>